Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. The title of the message this morning is The Kind of Business God is In. The Kind of Business God is In. So I thought it'd be cool uh, before I actually get to the scripture of this uh, message, if we, we looked at two of our most popular, our f- most favorite businesses and kind of did a little business trivia with them. Are you up for some business trivia? If you are, raise your hand. All right. All right. All right. Four people raise your hand. This is a great group. I'm telling you, a great group here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, two of our favorite groups. I remember whenever I was a kid, the closest McDonald's to coming Georgia was Doraville, Georgia. And you didn't have Georgia 400. You had to go down Highway 19 to 141. It took us 45 minutes to get there. But every Saturday, we went down to McDonald's. How many of you would drive 45 minutes to go to McDonald's today? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Not, not a single so. Dalton Wood, thank you, brother. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Dalton, buddy. Yeah, I knew Dalton would be with me. You know, both both the Chick-fil-A and McDonald's have really influenced our culture in, in major ways. Uh, one out of every eight Americans at some time in their lives worked at McDonald's. Do you know that? Anybody here a former McDonald's employee? Raise your hand. Anybody? One, two, three, one, four, five, six. Well, obviously, it's not one out of eight at Palmetto Baptist Church, but in America, it's one out of eight people worked at uh, McDonald's. In our first service, there were two people, two people who were former McDonald's employees. One was uh, Bonnie Johnson, Miss Bonnie, Miss Bonnie Johnson, who lives at Baptist Manor. She worked 25 years at McDonald's, 25 years. And the other one was Warren Ward, W. He worked 25 days. <laughs> At McDonald's. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Those two people were the only ones. Uh, and Chick-fil-A also, even though it's much younger than McDonald's, has totally changed the culture. I mean, you know that. We have some folks who work for Chick-fil-A right now who are members of our church. And it used to be that whenever you had kids or grandkids growing up and you wanted them to re- be really smart, uh, you'd sit with them at times when you had some free time and say, okay, now how does a cat go? Meow, say it, meow, say it. And how does a dog go? Yeah, yeah. And then you go, how does a cow go? And be But now you ask a kid, how does a cow go? They're going to go, eat more chicken, you know. It's really crazy. All right, so we're going to have a little business trivia before we get to the sermon, which has to do with the kind of business God is in. Are you ready for this? Now, uh, uh, there's a rule that I should have uh, spoken to the first group, and now I'm going to say it to you. Everybody has to vote here, okay? I say that because 95% of you are not going to want to vote either way. It's going to make me real angry get anointed by the other kind of... All right, here we go. Here's question number one. Question number one. What is the name of the chicken in the Chick-fil-A logo? Now, if you are an employee of, of Chick-fil-A, if, if, I would just appreciate if you just keep your hand down. All right? So here we go. What is the name of the chicken in the Chick-fil-A logo? And you got five choices there. If you believe that the chicken in the Chick-fil-A logo, if his name or her name is Chickapee, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you think it's Chickapee. Come on, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, uh, forty-eight. Here we go. Forty-eight people says Chickapee. 
How many of you believe it's doodles? Raise your hand. Doodles. Oh, quite a few people. Quite a few people. All right. All right. How many of you believe it's Barney? Raise your hand if it's Barney. Yeah, we got one. Uh, 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 how many of you believe it's Foghorn Leghorn? Raise your hand. And finally, how many of you believe it's Waffle? Waffle the chicken. All right. The chicken and the Chick-fil-A logo. His name is Doodles, letter B. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I did not know that. I did not know that. All right, let's go to question number two. Question two, which restaurant did not sell chicken sandwiches when it started? This should be an easy one, really. Which, which restaurant did not sell chicken sandwiches when it started? If you believe that Chick-fil-A did not sell chicken sandwiches when they got started, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, if you believe that McDonald's is the right answer, that they didn't sell chicken sandwiches when they got started, raise your hand. How many of you believe that it's both Chick-fil-A and McDonald's? Raise your hand. All right, all right. Guess what the answer is? It's number C. Oh, yeah. Y'all are so dumb. Y'all are dumb, dumb. Man, that's incredible. Get this. Get this. Chick-fil-A did not sell a chicken sandwich for the first 15 years of its existence. That's right. I know y'all are looking at me like, oh, this is another one of those Odu Manure stories. <laughs> no, it's true. That's true. Both of them did not sell chicken sandwiches when they started. Question number three, McDonald's makes most of its money from which of the following? Selling hamburgers and fries, selling McRib and filet fish sandwiches. filet fish is my mom's favorite. Selling hot apple pies or real estate rental. <laughs> How many of you believe that McDonald's makes most of its money from selling hamburgers and fries? Raise your hand. Bunch of folks. How many of you believe they make most of their money selling McRib and filet fish sandwiches? Raise your hand. Really? You gotta be kidding me. How many of you believe they make most of their money selling hot apple pies? How many of you believe they make their money selling real estate rental? McDonald's makes most of its monies selling real estate rentals. They make more money in real estate rental than they do selling all their food combined. What about that? You see, I knew y'all didn't know that. I knew that. After I read it, after I read it, I found it out, right? Uh, in fact, uh, McDonald's owns more commercial real estate than any company in the world. That's right. And then second is Palmetto Baptist Church. We own the second biggest piece of property. All right, which restaurant is the largest retailer of toys in the world? Is it Chick-fil-A or is it McDonald's or is it none of the above? How many of you believe that Chick-fil-A is the largest retailer of uh, toys in the world? Actually, largest distributor of toys in the world? Raise your hand. How many of you believe it's McDonald's? Raise your hand. How many of you believe it's none of the above? Raise your hand. McDonald's is the largest distributor of toys on the planet. It's true. Y'all put away your tablets. Some of you are already looking it up. I don't believe him. I'm going to put it. All right, let's look at another one. Uh, since 2010, which restaurant has led the industry in most per restaurant sales? That is, m uh, most food sales per actual restaurant. Uh, how many of you believe that Chick-fil-A has led the industry? Uh, raise your hand. How many of you believe that McDonald's has led the industry since 2010? How many of you believe that neither one, that Subway led the industry? Raise your hand. How many of you have not voted at all in this thing? Raise your hand. <laughs> Good Lord. 
Since 2010, Chick-fil-A has led the industry in most per-restaurant sales. Led the industry. They surpassed McDonald's in 2010. All right, I think we got one more, one more question here. Uh, which restaurant chain has the most restaurants among any chain in the United States? Which restaurant has the most restaurants among any chain in the United States? How many of you believe that's Chick-fil-A? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that's McDonald's? Raise your hand. How many of you believe it's neither one? Raise your hand. The answer is neither one. Subway has more restaurants than anybody else. Subway. That's right. That's right. So y'all need to go back to school. Yes, you do. Let's talk about what business God is in. Uh, that's a good question. What business is God in? I have some have several friends here today. We have uh, some friends who came all the way down here from uh, my previous church, Concord Baptist Church, which is an hour and a half north of here, right on the Forsyth-Dawson County line. And uh, we've got uh, Dan and Gail Sullivan, and we've got uh, John and Janine Crow, who I married. How long ago was it when I married y'all? How many? 74 years? <laughs> ah. So good to see y'all. And Blaine and Glennis Bice, they're there. Would y'all just stand up? I, I hate to ask you to do that, but I want, I want these people to see you and appreciate you coming all the way down here to be with us. <laughs> Love y'all for that. Dan's in sheet, sheet metal, sheet fab, uh, fa- uh, metal fabrication. Uh, he used to teach it at the school, and then he was in it. Uh, some of these uh, uh, nice businesses or nice homes that have these metal fences around them, these, these iron fences around them, he, he made those and uh, did a great job. That was the business he was in. What kind of business is God in? You may have an opinion on it, but I'll tell you the best place to go to find out what kind of business God is in is to look at the scriptures. And I want us, you and I to take a little journey through some of the scripture passages, not all of them, but some of the scripture passages that give us a very clear indication of the kind of business God is in. So I want you to look with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Apostle Paul, writing a second letter to the church at Corinth, said this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And then Revelation chapter 21, the Apostle John, seeing a vision of heaven in the very next to last chapter in the Bible, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. And be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. What kind of business is God 
in. He's in a, he's in a type of business. And I believe if you look at the scriptures, these and many, many others, which we're going to walk through in just a moment, I think what you're going to find is this. God is in the business of new. He's in the new business. He is. Now, let me just show you what I mean. He's in the business of new. Let's just walk through some passages of scripture and and I'll show you exactly what I mean. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Here, Isaiah is quoting God and God is the one talking here. And here's what he says in Isaiah 43, verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I am doing a new thing. Oh, my goodness. God's in the business of new. Flip over a little further in the Old Testament to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. Some folks said there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. We never talk about Lamentations. It's not the funnest book to read. That's mainly because you have five chapters in Lamentations. They're all poems, and they describe the grief and the overwhelming sense of loss and hopelessness that the people felt in 587, 586 B.C. after the Babylonians had invaded Jerusalem and destroyed it. Lamentations is correctly named. It's a book of laments. But in chapter 3, beginning with verse 22, amid all this hopelessness and gloom and doom, there is this, this beautiful, sparkling, shining glimmer of hope. For the writer of Lamentations in chapter 3, verses 22 and following says this, because of the Lord's great love... We are not consumed. In other words, this could be a whole lot worse than it is. For his compassions never fail. For they, they what? His compassions. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's where that great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, comes from. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Isaiah said God is doing a new thing. Lamentation says God's compassions are new, his new compassions, his new love. A little bit further in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel says, rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O people of Israel? Again, Ezekiel, flip over uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. That was chapter 18, now chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Previously, he said, you need to get a new heart. You need to get a new spirit. And now, some 18 chapters later, he says, and I'm going to give you this new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will tenderize your heart. I will soften your heart. God is in the business of new, new things, new compassions, new heart, new spirit. The book of Acts, 
chapter 5 in the New Testament, Acts chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. The apostles had just been put in prison because of their preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The authorities did not want them preaching, and so they put them in prison in order, hopefully, to stop them from preaching. But in the middle of the night, Acts chapter 5 says that an angel unlocked the prison doors and led the men out. And verse 19 says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And then it says, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. And at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they'd been told and they began to teach the people. What did they teach the people? They taught the people about this, here it is, this new life. Are you beginning to get the picture here? Hello? Hmm? Y'all beginning to get the picture? God's in the business of new, new things, new compassions, new heart, new spirit, new life. And Jeremiah also tells us a new covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. He's again quoting the Lord. He says, the days are coming, declare the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Covenant is a word that means agreement. When God said through Jeremiah, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, he basically said, I'm going to make a new agreement with you. An agreement is what I agree to do for you. And really, uh, covenant is a little more, a lot more serious than agreement. When you, when you have an agreement, two, two or more parties agree on something. But here, God is offering an agreement in the form of a promise or a covenant. And in that covenant, he says, I'm going to save you. You don't have to do really anything except receive what I'm giving you. I mean, who's going to turn that down, right? Right? Well, the majority of people in the world are turning it down, but who should turn that down? I'm going to, to, to pay the price. I'm going to make all the investment here. And he did. He invested his son. In fact, Luke tells us it's a spin, a New Testament spin off of what Jeremiah says in Luke chapter 22, verse 20. Luke says, talking about the Lord's Supper on the final day before, the night before Jesus was crucified, Luke says, in the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the, there it is, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. God's doing a new thing. God has given new compassions. God wants to give us a new heart, a new spirit, a new life, a new covenant. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation. God is in the business of a new creation. I appreciate our children's minister, Renee Milner, and the analogy that she used, the picture story she used for our kids up here of a butterfly. Butterfly starts out after it comes out of the egg, starts out as a caterpillar, just an old worm. You ever looked at the personality of a caterpillar? I know y'all have studied that probably last night, didn't you? Just analyze the personality of a caterpillar and contrast that with the personality of a butterfly. The, the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, but their personalities are so different, like they're two different creatures. The, the caterpillar is blind. He feels his way around. Everything's about feeling, feeling, feeling. And he destroys everything. 
The caterpillar does not contribute to promoting life anywhere in any way. Everything the caterpillar does is about destroying foliage, destroying life. Everywhere it goes, it cannot even live without destroying. That's what the caterpillar does. But at some point, he says he's done with it and he wraps himself up in a cocoon. And what happens in that cocoon uh, even the, the, the most intelligent scientists cannot fully, fully comprehend, but something happens in that cocoon. It's like the caterpillar dies, and then it comes back to life as a totally different creature. It, it, it exits that cocoon, not as a caterpillar, but as a butterfly. And he flies. Did you know that the colors in a butterfly's wings have never been imitated? We can't duplicate them exactly did you know that a butterfly can see whereas a caterpillar can't did you know that a butterfly will will go from one one plant to another stealing nectar here and putting it over here and taking it from there and putting it back over here and everything the butterfly does is for the promotion of life do you see the difference in the personality between a caterpillar and a butterfly no wonder no wonder we can use that the process of a, pat, a caterpillar going to a butterfly to describe what it's like, when, to describe what Paul says, for everybody who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God is in the business of new. And part of that business of new means he wants to make every one of us a new creation. In Revelation 21, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had passed away, there was no longer any sea. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So God's in the business of new, new thing, new compassions, new heart, new spirit, new life, new creation, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. You get the picture? Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 John's describing a worship service that he sees going on up in heaven, and he says, and they sang a new song, saying, you're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And chapter 14, verse 3, Revelation again, chapter 14, verse 3, and they sang a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. This sermon is not about the 144,000, but I know some of you want to know who they are. And basically, that's a, very, that's a symbolic number. That number symbolizes all the people of God who will be in heaven. And according to John, when we get to heaven, there will be new songs. You know, there's some songs I love here. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I mean, how can you get better than that? It is well with my soul when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. I love songs like that. Great is thy faithfulness, O God our Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Those are great traditional hymns. And then some of the songs that Matt and our praise band bring to us. My chains are gone. I've been set free. 
For God, my Savior, has ransomed me. Man, I'm telling you, some great songs. Great, great songs. But get this. If you took all the greatest songs we sing down here, our favorite songs, our favorite worship songs, they do not, not a one of them, and not all of them together, come close to the least sung song in heaven. Because up there, they have some songs that we don't even have the notes nor the lyrics to duplicate. We're going to get there and we're thinking, man, oh man, I never heard that before and I feel like it's my favorite song. And then the next song's going to come up and you say, man, oh man, I've never heard that before and I feel like it's my favorite song. And the person next to you is going to say, I wish you'd quit saying that. You say that to every song up here. A new song. And then look at Revelation 21.5. This one sums up, it sums up everything. Revelation 21, verse 5, he who is seated on the throne, that would be God, he says, I'm making everything new. He said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I'm making everything new. Let's just, just go ahead and throw it all in. I'm making everything new. God is in the business of making everything new. I like new. You like new? Hello? I like new. I like this building. I like the smell of new. I love the smell of this building. I'm allergic to something in this building. I don't know what it is. I mean, we moved in here Jan- uh, January the 3rd, and ever since that time, I've been breaking out. I mean, just breaking out. Been to the doctor, got me a steroid shot, and taken all kinds of antihistamines. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the chairs or the carpet or the VCT or if it's the paint or you. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I love the smell of new. I love the smell of this place. I like a new car smell. You like a new car smell, do you? I I just bought a truck. It's a 2011 truck, so it's not new. And and I will tell you, I don't know who, who the owner was before me, but somewhere between 2011 and the time that I bought it, somebody stole the new scent out of it. I don't know. It's not there, but I love it. I love the smell of a new car. And I wish that cars retained their new car smell. Don't you? I really do, but they don't. I don't know. You buy a new car and it smells good for about 18 months to 24 months and then it goes away. And I know I I go to the car wash sometimes and and, uh, if you go to the really nice car washes, they have these uh, smells that you can spray in your car. Y'all ever done that? Sprayed some of that stuff in your car? And one of them is new car smell. I had somebody tell me, I was talking with one of the guys at the car wash. I said, you know, I I miss the new car smell. And they said, we got some stuff you can spray in here. It's new car smell. I said, really? Yeah. How many of you have ever had that stuff sprayed in your car? Y'all are smarter than I thought. Here's Here's some advice. Here's some unsolicited advice. Don't ever buy that stuff for your car. Don't ever buy it. Number one, it doesn't smell like new car. I don't know what it is. I think it's probably, to me, it's, I tried it. It doesn't smell like new car. It smells like fermented aqua velva. Those of you who are my age and older, you know what that smells like. Some of, the, some of these folks are younger than 40. They're thinking, what in the world is that? I know Aquaman, but I don't know aqua velva. It smells a lot like eau de manure. You know what I'm telling you? It's terrible. Don't use that. It goes away. But here's what I believe about heaven. 
Number one, I, here's what I know. I know that God up there has made everything new. But here's what I believe about it. I believe that when we get there, and after we've been there the equivalent of a million years, it'll still smell new. The new smell never goes away. And you're not allergic to it. Praise the Lord. Glory, hallelujah. The new will always be there and it'll never go away. And every moment will be like brand spanking new because God is in the business of new. But now I have to leave a caution to you. I really don't want to do this, but I have to leave a caution. Because every time I preach a sermon like this about God doing something new in people's lives and you need to be thinking about the fact that God wants to do something new in your life, he wants to give you a new life, all of which is true. But just as sure as I do that, there'll be somebody in the congregation and they're thinking, I'm thinking about leaving my husband for a new husband. Or I'm thinking about leaving my wife for a new Woman. And you know what? Listen to me. Look up here. That's not the way he works. God doesn't work that way. God will never. And listen, I can, I can say this to you because I've heard that myself before. I want, you, I want you to hear this. Listen, look up here at me. God will never tell you to leave your wife, guys, or he will never tell you girls to leave your husband unless, it's, unless you're just being physically abused. He's not going to tell you to do that. It's not the way God works. So here's, here's the deal. He's going, he wants to do something new in your life, and he's doing something new in our church's life, but he wants to do it within the realm of what is good and right and just and godly. Don't let Satan cheat you into thinking, boy, something new is over there on the other side of the fence. Let me tell you something. On the other side of the fence is the deepest sewer you ever walked into, brother. But here, within the realm of God's will, God has something new for you. So here's the message in a sentence. God is in the business of making everything new, including you. This time of year, first of the year, we're always bombarded, aren't we, with uh, fitness center commercials or Jenny Craig commercials. You can have a new you. I like that. I like that. 94Q is WQXIFM. It's the new year. Tenth caller at 741-0094 earns the tickets to see a new you. Jenny Craig in concert. <laughs> Let me tell you what's really true. God is in the business of making you new. And for some of you, he wants you to receive his son as your savior, and that will make you new. For others, you've already received him as savior, but there's something in your life that God is dealing you with, and you want to just come and just surrender to whatever it is God wants because what he wants is going to be best. For some people, you, 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 need, you need to decide on a new church home. And I hope it's this one because some exciting things are happening here. What is it that God wants to do in you? I can tell you this. It's brand new. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want you to know, Lord, how much we love you and how much we appreciate 
the new things that you are doing in each of our lives, what the new things you're doing in this church. I'm telling you, Lord, I haven't been this excited and I can't remember. And the fact that you're doing something here and that we can be a part of it is pretty amazing. Lord, you want to make some new creations right here in, in this invitation. You want some folks to have a new home, new church home right here in this invitation. You want to do some new things in some people's lives. Lord, I pray that we would step up and commit ourselves to your new for us. In Jesus' name, amen.